You're listening to a podcast presented by Providencia West Palm Beach, a church that exists for the flourishing of all people located in the city center of West Palm Beach, Florida. Our hope is to love our city, listen to your story, and practice the grace of God. We hope you enjoy this content. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Good evening, everyone. My name is Drew. I'm one of the pastors here at Providencia, uh, and I'm going to lead us in a time of confession and assurance. Um, Tonight's confession kind of carries on our theme of rest. Uh, Kevin's going to preach for us in a few minutes. Um, He's going to preach a little bit on rest. There's the microphone. Um, Danny does a thing at the beginning of the service uh, where we take a moment of silence. And often Danny will say something like, bring a little bit more of yourself into this space, into this moment. It's a beautiful thing that we do. We do it for a good reason because often our minds are fragmented and distracted and not focused or centered. But we don't do that because this present moment is all we have. As Christians, we don't believe this present moment is all we have. We believe there is a future, there's a moment to come, there's a kingdom to come. And so the theologian and philosopher James K.A. Smith calls us Christians, people who are stretched through time, so that we can be present here now in this space and look to another present to come. Kevin's going to unpack that a little bit more. But there's something about resting that we get to do now and in the future. And that's a particularly Christian hope. Our confession is built around that idea. It's going to be on the walls either side, and I'm going to ask Ben to cycle through it slowly so that you have a moment to read it, to reflect silently, and then I'll pray this prayer over us. God of the coming rest. We confess that in our efforts to resist escapism, we can become short-sighted. We want to be present in this moment, but we do not want to forget we are a people stretched through time toward the coming day of the Lord. Let us be found present on that day. Give us hope for that day. May your presence with us this day bear witness to that day. And may we rest now and then. Amen.
As always, our confession is not complete without assurance. And our assurance this evening is based on Psalm 107 that Kevin's going to preach from in just a few minutes. Psalm 107 bears witness to God's faithfulness we call out to the Lord in our distress, God saves. God's word is for our healing and God rescues us from the grave. Thanks be to God. Jesus, uh, what a savior. Thank you, God. You are a God who pulls us out of shame, that pulls us out of hopelessness that pulls us out of restlessness and tiredness. You invite us to come and to rest. You are our friend, a friend who loves us in a way that we've never been loved. And God, we just ask that you would show us and let it sink in to the bones of who we are and to our souls and our hearts, that we may rest in your love now and be hopeful for the rest that is coming. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Kaylin's going to read our scripture for us tonight. Tonight's scripture reading comes from Psalm 107, verses 1 through 9. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Most of you know that um, we were expecting to have a newborn baby at this moment in our lives, and so I had set up lots of guest preachers to preach instead of me, alternating with Keith week after week. Um, And even in the midst of not having a newborn now, it's really nice for me to have a little bit more rest um, and for some of these guest preachers to to still preach. And Kevin is one of those that's going to preach for us tonight. Kevin and Brooke have been part of our community for some time. If you haven't gotten a chance to meet them, I would encourage you to do so. Kevin's an MDiv graduate from here at PBA and now works teaching Bible um, for high schoolers at Jupiter Christian School. Um, So I'm really pleased and honored, Kevin, that you're going to be preaching for us tonight, and I'd ask you to give him a warm welcome. Well, like Drew mentioned, I teach high school Bible, which means I get summers off, 
So rest is literally baked into my calendar. Uh, you are allowed to feel jealous. Um, it's funny, the uh, last message that my administration gave me before the uh, before my summer break started was go and get some rest. And so naturally I went and had what was almost certainly the most stressful summer of my life. Uh, Brooke and I are already expecting our first child in September, so that alone is a wonderful but stressful blessing. Uh, and then we decided in April to buy a house, which is a whole story that I'm not going to get into because I've complained about it uh, to enough of you already. Um, and then in May, we had a major car accident and we had to go buy a new car. Uh, and then we got a letter from our insurance telling us to replace our roof or they would drop us. So we're doing that. They actually started replacing the roof last week and then they're going to finish up hopefully on Tuesday. And even just going into this last week, uh, we've continued to have a really stressful summer. Uh, on Friday afternoon, Brooke had worked Thursday night, uh, so she works nights, and so she was sleeping. And I was uh, sitting on the couch, I think preparing for this, and I hear like a drip, 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 drip. And I'm thinking, oh, I left the sink on or something. And so I go over to the kitchen, and it's not the sink, it's the ceiling. Just like the popcorn ceiling, there's two steady drips of water flooding my living room. And I, my first thought is, oh, it's a busted pipe. So I'm going to go and do what you're supposed to do when you have a busted pipe. Turn the water main off. So I run to do that as fast as I can. So fast, I don't even stop to put on shoes. Now, if you've ever had your roof done before, they always tell you to be careful about nails because roofers aren't always so careful. So, of course, I step on a rusty nail. Yeah. Um, and so, and then, and then I go back inside and I'm like, oh, I have to take care of this nail. So I, I uh, start, I go to wash my foot in the sink, but I just turn the water off so I can't wash my foot in the sink. <laughs> So I'm like, and, and I'm also trying to do all of this quietly because my pregnant wife is upstairs asleep after working all night. Eventually I find it's not a pipe, it's the AC, and we were able to fix that on our own, and now we have fans drying out the ceiling. And so what was kind of a big deal, we've sorted through. But I, like, I remember thinking to myself after that, I'm ready to go back to work. It had been, uh, and, and that's not to say that I'm tired of doing things with my house, uh, it's to say that even with all this stress, I'm also ready to go back to work. And I think that's in large part to do with the rhythms that we've instilled at this church, having a summer of rest. Even with the summer that we've had, I think that I've done the work to go back to work. Now, obviously, I didn't work during the day, but that's fine. This isn't the first time that I've had a uh, period of time when rest was emphasized where I worshipped. When I was an, an MDiv student, I, was a, I worked as a graduate student worker, and so one of my jobs was to lead and uh, help organize the chapel services for the School of uh, Ministries graduate department, and those services actually met here in this building, and one of the semesters we had a, the theme of rest. So our speakers were talking about it. And, and so this is the second time that I've had like a lengthy season talking about rest. Now there was a running joke amongst myself and all the other graduate students about how 
ridiculous it was for professors to be assigning massive papers and teaching us ancient languages and telling us to go and rest. And most, not all, but most of the students kind of had two responses. We would either uh, work on our school assignments until we were done and then we would rest, or we'd work on them until we couldn't work on them anymore and then we'd rest and come back to them. Uh, in other words, we would either treat rest as a reward or we would treat it as a last resort. But rest is neither of those things. The author Cole Arthur Riley in her book, This Here Flesh, explains this better than I ever could. Rest is not the reward of our liberation nor something that we lay hold of once we are free. It is the path that delivers us there. Where uh, Riley uses the language of path, I'm going to use the word that we've used around here all summer, which is rhythm. Rest is neither a reward or a last result, or a last resort, yeah, it is a rhythm. It's when hard work and rest are held together in rhythm that we find an equilibrium, and uh, that's when we actually see the most growth, thanks to Drew to pointing me towards that reference. And there are a few mediums that communicate rhythm to us better than poetry, and that's one of the reasons that I chose Psalm 107 as my passage for this sermon. It almost rhythmically describes the ways in which people find rest in God. And when I read it, I couldn't get over the fact of just how well that this psalm communicates the the values of our church. It's a, it's a, the, the psalm, the verses that uh, Caitlin read for us talk about a group of people who are longing to find a city and they're being told to share their story and they're in grave danger, which God rescues them from by his grace. If you've been around this church long enough, you'll know that the values of this church are our city, your story, and God's grace. So over the next several minutes, we're going to be looking at this entire psalm, beginning with the first nine verses, and then we're going to look at a few other parts and see how these values are instilled, not just to tell us about what God has done, but also to orient us towards the future, about what resting in God means for us, eternally speaking. Having a city to rest in is important because you need a safe place to rest. You need a home in a city where you're safe enough to rest. The reason for this is that rest is ultimately an act of vulnerability. It's about letting go of something and trusting that God will either hold it for you when you come back to it or finish it for you in your absence. But you can't rest with that kind of vulnerability unless you feel safe. You can't be vulnerable, or you shouldn't be vulnerable, unless you feel safe. Someone who understands this principle surprisingly well is Owen Melton, actually. Um, I've known the Meltons a long time through school and through Providencia, and I think that Drew and Brittany both like me. I think Afton likes me as well. But Owen took some time to warm up to me. Uh, obviously, he, he's shy, but... Um, I would try and talk to him here around, around church, and he would want nothing to do with me. There was a dinner a few months back, and I turned and asked him about a toy he was holding, and he, like, moonwalked away from me and, like, shook his head. Like, he, he wanted nothing to do with me. 
And then a couple weeks ago, I had an opportunity. I stopped by the Melton's house, and I was picking a few things up. And he met me on his home turf, and all of a sudden, I was someone he could talk to. I got to meet his pet turtle. It's named Turtle. It was awesome. I got to meet him. I, I became someone safe when he met me in a safe place. But it didn't end there, because the following Sunday here at church, he came up and gave me a hug, completely unprompted. There's something about feeling safe with someone that allows you to be vulnerable. And in the same way, rest, you can't do it until you're safe in a location or with a person. Now, reaching a place where you feel safe enough to rest isn't easy. Sometimes life happens and you lose that safe place. Um, I've always been really, really good at sleeping. You can feel jealous if you want. Um, I'm one of those people who, when my head hits the pillow, I fall asleep, and then I stay asleep until my alarm goes off the next morning. That is, until May 12th of this year. I already mentioned that my wife works nights. Sometimes her job takes her uh, to multiple hospitals in one night to evaluate a case. Well, May 12th, about 1 o'clock in the morning, a drunk driver pulls in front of her on, the, on I-95 down in Fort Lauderdale and totals her car. She's fine, baby's fine. Um, but the, she, she did the, the first thing that she did was she called 911, and then she called me, and then she called me, and then she called me, and then she called her mom, and then her mom called me, and her mom called me, because my phone was on vibrate, and I was sleeping through all of this. By the time we got to the ninth phone call and I woke up, we had already known that Brooke was fine and that the baby was fine. And I felt, first, a profound sense of like personal failure, like I should have woken up. Um, but then, like a few things have changed since then. First off, my sound is always on when she's at work. Second, um, I haven't slept as well when she's at work for most of the summer. In recent weeks, it's, it's gotten better. Uh, but rather than my head hitting the pillow and falling asleep and staying asleep till morning, I've been staying up later, I've been checking my phone a lot, and I've been waking up frequently. Something that was safe wasn't anymore. That happens to our safe places. And when that happens, you actually, you have to work through those things because trauma doesn't excuse you from your need of rest. If anything, it exasperates your need of rest. So in order to get rest again, you need to work through those things. You need to work through your story. Your ability to rest well is intimately connected with your knowledge of your own story. Psalm 107 is built around a series of four stories. In verses 2 and 3, the psalmist writes, Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from the east and west and north and south. These four directions, the east and the west, north and south, uh, these directions are emblematic of four different types of stories, four different groups of people, and then the rest of the psalm is going to tell those four stories. Uh, Caitlin read the first of them before from verses four through nine. Uh, each of these four stories reaches their climax in the following call to worship. Let them give thanks to the Lord, to the Lord for his unfailing love and his uh, wonderful deeds for mankind. You'll read that sentence in verses 8, 15, 21, and 31. That first story is the story of those who wander the desert wastelands, longing for the safety and security of a city. 
Their longings are not as superficial as running water or air conditioning. They need the basic elements to sustain life, food, water, and safety. And so what did they do? In verse 6, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He leads them to a city they could settle, and they respond, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. God satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. There's a second group of storytellers, some who are prisoners. These find themselves imprisoned in a dark place, and they're in chains, and they're suffering. They're dying in darkness alone. In verse 13, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. When God brings them out of their dark places and breaks their chains, they respond, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. They're worshiping a God who breaks chains and cuts down iron bars. There's a third group, some who, in the NIV, became fools because of their rebellious ways. Some scholars argue that we should translate the word fools there as a more generic word, like sick or ill. Either way, the result is the same. This group of storytellers is dying. So what did they do? You should start to see the pattern by now. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. The text even says that he rescued them from the grave. And they respond, again, the pattern, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. And the fourth group, the merchants on their ships. These are people just making a living, working, uh, making money, providing for their families, and then suddenly they find themselves in the midst of a sea, in the midst of the storm on the sea, and their lives are at risk. So what did they do? They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. And they respond, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. I have probably over-demonstrated the similarities between these two stories, and that was to uh, show you the rhythm in how it's about rest and rescue when the people cry out to God. Just as in interesting and important as the similarities are the differences. See, God's offer of rescue is the same in all four stories. Literally, it's the exact same sentence word for word. But the circumstances of that rescue could not be more different. There's a beauty when the people of God realize how alike and how uh, different our stories really are. Because the same God is gathering us from east and west and north and south, from deserts and prisons and hospitals and shipwrecks, from starvation and chains and insanity and Wall Street. In all of those stories, it is the same God. All four stories describe mortal danger, but not all four storytellers come to mortal danger in the same way. The first group are uh, pioneers, maybe refugees who are wandering the desert out of desperation, but they're not there through any sin or wrongdoing of their own. But the middle two groups, the prisoners and the sick, the text explicitly says it's because of their sin and wrongdoing. The fourth group are just earning a living. There's no indication that they've earned their money unjustly or at the expense of another. So whether they've caused their own misfortune or misfortune has happened to them, the same God is making the same effort, offer of rest and rescue. 
And that rest and rescue that I'm alluding to is nothing other than God's grace. The word that we translate grace in the New Testament is charis, and it's sometimes translated gift because that's what grace, that's what rest is. It's a gift, and it's freely offered to both those who need it because of their own mistakes and those uh, who need it because of the hands that they've been dealt. But for all of those storytellers, the rest is not just about working nine-to-five jobs. We need rest from our nine-to-fives. Some of us get whole summers off from them. But... It's much bigger than that. Rest is an acknowledgement of what God has rescued us from, but it's also a pronouncement. It's an anticipation of what God will do for us in the future. In this way, our rest is an eschatological pronouncement. Let me explain. When Jesus comes back to make all things right, he's going to restore all things back to himself. That means we'll be restored back unto him and there will be no separation between us. We will rest in him forever. Have you ever heard someone, maybe sarcastically, declare, maybe you said this yourself, I'll rest when I'm dead. Most, of, most people say that meaning, I can't rest now, I'm too busy. I'm going to reclaim that. I'll rest when I'm dead. It's not that I can't rest now because... I can't work now, because I have to work now. I can rest now because I will rest when I'm dead. Resting in the present is a powerful declaration that you trust in God's promises for the future, both, both your immediate future, that he sustains you in this life, and also your eternal future, that you spend eternity in the shadow of his rest. Someone who explains this concept or understands this concept really well is the English poet John Donne, spelled D-O-N-N-E, in this poem, uh, Death Be Not Proud. He wrote it after the early and untimely death of his daughter. Death be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. For those whom thou thinkest thou doth overthrow. Die not, nor canst thou kill me. From rest and sleep, which but thy pictures be. <sighs> See, this idea of rest for John Donne isn't about the rest from his daily troubles. The words of this poem have two emotions. The first is anger, death be not proud. But the second is hope, death be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. For those whom thou thinkest thou dost overthrow, die not, poor death, nor canst thou kill me. See, for John Donne, and for his daughter, and for you and for me, dear Christian, death is not the beginning, or Death is not the end, it is the beginning of the rest of our bones. The next line goes, um, rest of their bones, their soul's delivery. Death is the deliverance of our very selves into eternal rest with God. It is an acknowledgement, believing, or resting now is an acknowledgement that that will happen for us. 
It's practicing for eternal rest with God. Or, as Dunn says in the final two lines of the poem, one short sleep past, we wake eternally, and death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die. Let's pray. Thanks for joining us for this episode. The work we do is made possible by your partnership and generosity. If you enjoyed the content and would like to support our work, please visit ProvidenciaWPB.org and click on the Give link. The music you hear in the beginning and end of our show was written, produced, and recorded by our music collective, Paradise Hymns. Find their original songs wherever you stream music. Thanks again, and have a blessed day.